One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. So we're going to spend some time uh, talking about one of the most prevalent health issues that uh, affects predominantly women. We'll talk a little bit about statistics here in a second, but we're going to talk about hypothyroidism and specifically the autoimmune version of that. This is something that has become, um, you know, probably one of the most searched topics. If, if you look at like Google Trends, um, it's talked about all throughout social media. People are blogging and podcasting about it. And uh, when we teach our doctor-only seminars around the country, uh, one of the most popular seminars that I teach is called Mastering the Thyroid. And uh, that is usually very well attended by uh, a spectrum of doctors across the healthcare continuum. Typically, it's mostly alternative healthcare practitioners. Um, but I will tell you that whereas maybe 12 years ago, it would be unusual for me to have a medical doctor or a nurse practitioner or an osteopath uh, in a class or in, in the audience for a weekend seminar. Um, these days, I would say probably the last seven years, I don't think I've taught one of these thyroid seminars anywhere in the country without having at least three to half a dozen uh, conventionally trained physicians. Now, these are not what I call conventional, conventional clinicians because they're at a functional medicine seminar. These are people who think out of the box and there's usually some degree of frustration on their end um, with just pushing medications and, and seeing people not get better at all. In fact, it's quite enlightening, um, and I should probably pull the quote up. I, I can't remember exactly where I've got it, but um, one of the past presidents of the American Thyroid Association uh, went on record several years ago saying, you know, basically talking about how doctors, endocrinologists specifically treating thyroid disorders are confused because about 50% of women who go on thyroid medications end up with having unresolved thyroid symptoms despite having a normal TSH. Uh, and that is the story pretty much across the board. Um, there are some people who can go on thyroid medications and it really changes their life for the better. But that seems to be the minority, and I would suggest that um, that medical doctor's assessment of 50% is probably um, it's probably understating uh, the reality and the obvious. So this is a topic that's really broad and and very deep, to be honest. And of course, it's linked to inflammation, which is why we're talking about it here on the Inflammation Nation podcast. And when I teach these mastering thyroid seminars. Um, those are two and a half to three day seminars. And so we typically start on a Friday morning and we finish uh, Sunday in the in the midday to the afternoon. And so it's a lot of information that we impart to practicing clinicians. And I'm going to try to distill it down to the most important parts of the big picture for you so that if you are either suspecting you have a thyroid issue, maybe it's not been diagnosed yet, or maybe you have a thyroid issue, you've been diagnosed with hypothyroidism and you're on thyroid medications, but you're still not getting better. Or even one step further, maybe you already have been diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is the autoimmune version of hypothyroidism. And you know that just taking your medications, even though that's important, is not the only thing that you or your doctors can be doing for you.
And so um, we're going to have to break this up into mul multiple different episodes, and I hope you don't mind that, but there's just too many things to talk about in one 10 or 15 minute segment. And what I thought I would do to kick this little mini series off is to just talk about the typical thyroid story. And this is not necessarily 100% accurate and true across the board, but we see it enough that um, it's worthwhile kind of creating a picture so that either a doctor might be listening to this and going, wow, yeah, I see this with my patients all the time. Or if you are a healthcare consumer or somebody who is suffering from thyroid issues, maybe you'll see yourself in the story or at least in parts of it. And so I offer it um, in that spirit. But let me talk about some generalities first. Um, first of all, when you look at hypothyroidism, uh, the classic symptoms are fatigue, weight gain, poor sleep, cold hands, cold feet, generally cold and tolerant. Usually there's some brain fog. Quite often there is um, lack of motivation, sometimes frankly depression and constipation tends to be part of that classic picture. Now, all of those things can be caused by other problems. And so we don't want to just look at that constellation of symptoms and try to pigeonhole someone and say, oh my gosh, it's your thyroid, because it could be something else. You know, a whole bunch of those symptoms could be coming from just a crappy diet, a standard American diet, pro-inflammatory diet. Uh, it could be coming from, in part, uh, some kind of adrenal dysfunction. It could come from hormonal balance, hormone imbalances in the reproductive system. And uh, something called insulin resistance or a high blood sugar, high insulin state is also known as the great thyroid mimic. And so based on symptoms alone, we can kind of think, well, this might be thyroid, but we want to go further and actually look at diagnostic testing, which we'll have an episode on that. And we'll talk specifically about what testing is most appropriate. Let me back up again. I just kind of think in, and talk in general. First of all, when it comes to hypothyroidism in undeveloped countries, low iodine is the most common cause. And, and that, that one fact, and also the fact that iodine is integral to the production of thyroid hormones, led the nutritional community decades ago to adopt an approach where people with thyroid issues, whether they had autoimmunity or not, were treated typically by increasing iodine intake, either through foods or supplements, and in some cases, adding things like tyrosine. Um, and I will tell you right now that that, that is so outdated, it's, it's almost laughable. And if there are natural medicine practitioners out there that are still pursuing that kind of a clinical approach or nutritional approach, then they simply haven't gone to a seminar or read a research article in the last 20 plus years. It's literally been that long. Um, but in developed countries, you know, whereas in undeveloped countries, iodine deficiency is the most common cause, in developed countries, the most common cause is Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmunity. It, basically, if you don't know what that is, Autoimmunity is where your own immune system attacks some part of your body. And what we know from, uh, in terms of mechanisms and how this thing gets started, we, we know from twin studies that there is a genetic predisposition in most cases. So we start with a genetic predisposition. Um, but that's not the only thing. Just because you carry a gene for, say, Hashimoto's doesn't mean it will actually turn up in your life in reality. But what we know also from research is that um, what we call epigenetic factors, things like your diet, your lifestyle, and your environmental factors play a massive role in whether or not that latent or predisposing gene actually gets triggered. And also they play a role in how we recover control. 
Um, in the bigger picture, women are 10 times more likely than men to have low thyroid. And there are some theories that focus on the balance of hormones, meaning, you know, women having tending have more estrogen than men and so on. Um, and most women who have Hashimoto's are diagnosed between 30 and 50 years old. And that doesn't mean that men can't get it. It doesn't mean that you can't be diagnosed younger than 30. In fact, my in my recollection, the, the youngest that I've diagnosed a young lady with uh, was 13 or 15 years old. Uh, but I've also diagnosed men in their 60s. So these are generalities. And so I don't want you to exclude yourself just maybe because you, you don't necessarily fit um, that, that demographic um, explanation. So with that kind of general understanding in mind that for most people, Hashimoto's is the, the main cause of hypothyroidism and understanding that autoimmunity um, more often than not starts as a slow process kind of like a you know if you're boiling a pot of water it just kind of starts to bubble and then it bubbles a little bit more and then it bubbles more and then it just gets to the full boil i want you to think of uh, triggering an autoimmune reaction as something like that and i say something like that and and not always because there are some circumstances where someone kind of goes to bed feeling pretty good and they wake up the next day and then it's all like everything in their life has changed. We quite often see that, particularly with women, um, associated with massive changes or shifts in hormonal status. And so we'll see it um, associated with uh, quite often childbirth, pregnancy sometimes, but usually childbirth. And it's usually triggered after maybe the second or third child. But we'll also see it associated with um, either abrupt uh, start, starting to use hormone replacement therapy or ab abruptly stopping it. So anything that changes uh, causes a, a very abrupt change in the neurological, hormonal, and immunological environment can potentially trigger something. And that's the situation where we see things coming on very, very rapidly. But for many people, it's that slow bubbling process where uh, something's going on underneath that you really can't detect until everything gets to a full boil and then all of a sudden you have that. And so what ends up happening is that in the beginning, um, because it's a slow building process, a lot of your lab values are going to be normal even though you have a lot of symptomatology. And that's because there's this slow deterioration of function due to the underlying autoimmune process. And think of it this way, your your body and, and each individual system like your thyroid has a certain buffer, if you will, or a reserve of function where you can lose some of the gland or the function of the gland, yet still have enough left over to function fairly normally. And it's only when you wear through that buffer that you start to see symptoms. And it's only beyond that point where you start to see changes in your laboratory values. You know, the bottom line is this, is that research confirmed and has confirmed over and over and over and over again, that 90% of all thyroid conditions are autoimmune reactions against the thyroid. And so that simple fact alone should get you to the point where you're thinking, gosh, if I'm already on thyroid meds, there's a 90 to 98% chance that I have autoimmunity. And if you've already been told that, or if you've discovered that on your own, and all you're doing is taking your medications, but you're not feeling any better, maybe your labs are normal, maybe they're not, depends on which labs you're running and how many you run, um, then you should be sitting back into this, well, maybe I need to rethink exactly what the problem is. Maybe it's just not merely 
um, a hormone deficiency that requires replacement, maybe there's a bigger story that I need to understand. And if you don't understand that story, then it leads to different avenues of exploration through testing or trial and error to discover the things that are going to help give you back control of your immune system. But what ends up happening with this underlying autoimmune process that slowly chips away at your functionality to the point where you become symptomatic. There's usually um, a, a fairly long period of time where people are symptomatic, but labs are normal, but eventually enough changes in the thyroid system that eventually your TSH elevates. Now, TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It comes from the pituitary in the brain. It goes to the thyroid gland in the neck and says, hey, let's make some thyroid hormones. And the hallmark diagnostic criteria from a lab standpoint is a high TSH with a low T4. And so by the time you get diagnosed as as being hypothyroid and placed on medications, and usually it's a synthetic T4 preparation, um, by that time, you've already had it for a while. And in fact, the literature suggests that the time period between when the autoimmune reaction begins and when you get diagnosed and placed on meds, that can be up to 10 years. And that, now obviously that's quite highly variable, um, but that's the number that we see in the literature. And when we get a chance to sit down with people who are already on thyroid meds and we discover, yes, you do have Hashimoto's disease, and we kind of track their history back to the point where we ask, when did your symptoms really begin? It is almost always years and years and years, somewhere within that two to 10 year time frame before they actually got diagnosed properly. And that time between symptom onset and being diagnosed properly is critical for this one reason. Every single cell in your body has thyroid hormone receptors that we need or your cells need in order to drive basic cell function. And in fact, what thyroid hormones do is they go inside your cell to the nucleus, which is that inner sanctum of the cell itself. Inside the nucleus is your DNA, which controls all human function. And so thyroid hormones go into the nucleus. They actually bind to your DNA activate your mitochondria for energy production, but also all of the metabolic machinery that makes that cell do what that cell is designed to do and activates the cellular processes that result in anti-aging and repair. All of that is driven by thyroid hormone sufficiency. And, you know, to kind of jump ahead a little bit, also your cell's ability to respond to that. And so what a, a lot of times what happens, and, and we'll, I'll cut this short just after this comment and we'll move the rest of the discussion to another episode. Uh, a lot of times what happens is people go on meds. They're what used to be a high TSH, and that's what tells people, hey, you've got a thyroid issue. TSH comes down to normal, and we can debate what normal is. But their symptoms continue. Um, there are the lucky few, like I said in the beginning, that can go on thyroid meds and then get a normal thyroid panel like a TSH and feel good, right? That happens. It absolutely does. But the vast majority of time, symptoms continue. And so we end up with this concept of unresolved thyroid symptomatology. And if we follow somebody over the first year of being diagnosed and placed on meds, um, a lot of times these meds are adjusted over time. And in fact, the prescribing pattern can be quite enlightening. For example, what we want when someone does end up hypothyroid, whether it's due to autoimmunity or not is irrelevant to this point, but when someone becomes hypothyroid, 
we want them to be on the lowest dose possible that changes their life for the better and they stay on that dose and that same dose is effective for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. That's what we're looking for. That implies that there's stability and control within the system and it's a minimal problem. But quite often what we see is um, year after year or every few years, the TSH keeps going up even though they're on medication. And so with periodic testing, they find high TSH again and they go back to their doc and the doc says, okay, we need more. So maybe you go from 25 micrograms of Synthroid to 50 micrograms and that works for a while. But after a few years, maybe even sometimes months, now 50 doesn't work anymore and you've got to go to 75 and they kind of keep stair-stepping you up until you hit their, their maximum allowable doses. And that's kind of where you stay, whether your labs are normal and your symptoms are controlled or not. And this progressive progressively higher dosing that's required to control your TSH levels on your blood work, that is indicative of an underlying autoimmune process that can, continues to steal away your, your buffer and your functionality so that what used to work doesn't work anymore because you've lost more quality of function. And that's the nature of autoimmunity. It typically is progressive over a period of time. And then there's another pattern uh, pres prescribing pattern of medications where uh, like every few months you, you're either taking more or you're taking less because your TSH is constantly changing. And so we call that chasing the TSH tail where your TSH goes up for the first time and you get diagnosed and put on meds and your TSH goes down, but they check you a few months later and your TSH is up again. And so they put you on more and then you get more labs and now your TSH is too low. And so they take you off meds and every time the TSH goes up or down, you either get more lead meds or less meds, respectively, just because they're trying to fix the TSH. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. And, and one of the comments we'll explore more in probably its own episode. But the literature basically says that once you have a thyroid issue and you're on synthetic thyroid meds, uh, the utility of measuring TSH and T4 has limited value. Yet that is basically the clinical model in endocrinology. And, you know, I'm not going to second guess that and tell you that your doctors are stupid or wrong. It just is the system that they're trained in. And, and so that's what they do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when we see TSH and dosing going up and down, you know, on some kind of regular interval, uh, we take that as a sign as the ebb and flow of the autoimmune process where you go through periodic flare-ups, where your immune system attacks your thyroid more aggressively which changes the physiology, changes your lab patterns, and then your doctor responds by either increasing or decreasing your dosing. And so as you flare up and, and calm down and flare up and calm down with some regularity, your medication changes along with that. Remember that the goal is to be on the lowest dose forever. That implies a lot of really good things. And so if that's not the reality that you're experiencing, then chances are you've got Hashimoto's. You have an underlying autoimmunity that's not being controlled. Um, and then beyond that, and I know I said I was going to cut this short. Um, I'm already at 18 minutes. I really do try to keep these down to about 10 to 15 minutes. But, you know, this is kind of an introductory episode. Uh, let me make a couple of final comments. If somebody is on medications, and let's say they're lucky enough to achieve a normal thyroid lab pattern, uh, if they continue to complain of symptomatology, then usually the doctor is going to go, well, they're looking at your labs and they say, well, it's not your thyroid because your TSH is normal. And so your symptoms are then considered to be non-thyroidal. 
and you end up getting referred out to a bunch of different specialists based on what your ongoing symptoms are. So if it's depression, maybe they send you to see a, a therapist or maybe they put you on an antidepressant. Or if it's your gut, they send you off to a GI specialist. If it's joint pain, uh, maybe they send you off to a rheumatologist. And then all of a sudden you find yourself with really a single problem that's creating multiple sim symptoms. And the solution to that is really to focus on that singular problem that's causing the, problem, the symptoms. But you end up with a, a collection of specialists who are all doing their piece. Nobody's talking to each other. And by necessity, a specialist in one area doesn't know anything about other specialist areas. And so you have a bunch of people who are intentionally blinded to the bigger picture, trying to do their best to help. And it usually doesn't work out very well. The problem is, is that in most of these cases with ongoing symptomatology, despite having normal labs, there's an underlying autoimmunity that is still uncontrolled and unchecked. And that's the goal. Once we understand that someone has an autoimmune mechanism, whether it's Hashimoto's or any type of uh, other type of autoimmunity, the main goal and priority then becomes control of the autoimmune mechanism, which by definition means controlling the inflammatory process, controlling the immune system, looking for all the different triggers for autoimmune flare-ups, and then doing every, everything we can to remove them from the system so that we have more stable function over prolonged periods of time. Let's pick this up in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.